0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Hillside. Both you here in the sanctuary and those watching from home online. We're just glad you're here. And just want if you're new or visiting, we want to give you an extra large welcome. And I encourage you to tell someone that you're new or visiting during our greeting time or after the service. And that's a great way to get to know people. When I was new here, I just I kept going around. Hi, I'm Jane. I'm new. It was <laughs> that was like my last name. I'm new. <laughs> So, But it was a wonderful way, you know. I just got to know a lot of people right away, so I encourage you to do that. So my name's Jane DeYoung, I'm the care pastor here at Hillside, and we have John Grant leading the team this morning, and we're glad he's here. Thank you so much. And now let us worship together.
1: All right, Let's stand as we get ready to worship. Uh, for those of you who are still here on a long weekend, that's awesome. Looking forward to worshiping with you. Here we go, one.
2: Who breaks the power of sin and darkness Whose love is mighty and so much stronger The King of Lord Take the whole earth with
3: holy thunder Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder The King of glory, the King above all
2: kings This is amazing grace This is a love That you would take my place That you would bend You laid down your life that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that You've done for me. the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice sounds like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory
3: the king of the all king. this is amazing grace this is amazing amazing
2: love that can my place that you would bear my cross you laid down your life
3: that I would be set free Whoa. Whoa. Jesus i all oh, that you've done does.
2: for me worthy is a lamb king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who was slain Worthy is the king who conquered the great Worthy is the lamb who was slain Worthy is king who
3: conquered the great Worthy lamb Worthy, 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 oh this is amazing, grace.
2: That you would take my place That you would bear my pride You laid down your
3: life That I would be set free Oh Jesus, I seek for all that you've done for me
2: among us.
1: gets me especially when we sing why should i gain from this reward i cannot give an answer but this i know with all my heart his wounds have paid my ransom how deep the
2: father's love for us how vast beyond all measure that He forgive His only Son To make the wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the
3: Chosen One
2: on his shoulders ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers it was my sin that held him there until he was accomplished his
3: dying breath
1: to do a lot of weddings and memorial services. Often um, musicians in in churches are asked to do that. And we love doing weddings, that's great, but to be honest, and I think maybe Gary and others would agree with me on this, the main thing you're thinking about during a wedding is I don't wanna screw up their big day, right? That's the number one thing. People are often surprised to learn that we actually prefer leading worship at a memorial service for a believer. It is unbelievable. The most amazing times of worship we've ever had are memorial services for those who have walked with Christ. And you may have experienced that yourself because it is never more real, never more true, never more important than in that moment. And when we think about the people we've lost, even though we're hurting, the greatest comfort we take is knowing that they are face to face with their Savior. That visual is so powerful and the most comforting thing. Many of you, uh, well, almost everyone here, I'm sure, has lost someone close to them and felt that loss, and many of you maybe very recently, and it's still very, very painful. I want to encourage you as we sing this song to think about those who have gone before us. Think about them in the presence of our beautiful Savior, singing these very words and knowing that we will join them someday soon.
2: But you're you Fear with wonder
3: your name Adore You, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. who was and is and With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore You.
0: You may be seated. Wow, that was some wonderful worship. Thank you. So we have had a super busy and wonderful summer here at Hillside, and it just keeps going on. I don't know when the end of summer officially is, but... God has blessed us with a wonderful small groups team led by Gary Chin and it's um, his wife Jane, uh, Marilyn Taglarini, and Sarah Edinger Gomez. And last Sunday, they put on a terrific training for all of us small group leaders. And I was shocked by how many of us there are. We filled the room. So it was a wonderful training. We had a great dinner, and it was just, it was just, a blessing for all of us also later um the next that tuesday last tuesday some of the staff and council got together for a workshop led by angela Yi. she's in the center in that picture there she is the um covenant denominations chief ministry officer and over the course of an afternoon she gave us a wonderful framework for our outreach to the community and we all came away just inspired and excited. And so it was a, a good, good uh, investment of our time. So that's a couple things that have happened. Now what's going to happen? Well, next Sunday is our fall kickoff for small groups. And so it's a great time to join a group. We have a brand new brochure that gives you all the information. You can pick one up out at the information counter. And um, we just wanna, it's just a good way to get plugged in, uh, get to know a few people really well and then when you come on sunday you just feel like you yeah you're you're here you know these people so um and you get plugged into god's word as well so it's a great great thing so consider we want to encourage you to consider um one of the pillar ministries we have four of what we're calling our pillar ministries the two for women the um oasis on tuesday morning and the well on tuesday evening and two for men there is the um kairos on monday evening and Wednesday morning men, and so I just uh, encourage you to. That's a great way to start. You get to meet a lot of people that way, also. Um, <clears throat> now, for those of you who call Hillside your your home, your church home, but you're not yet members of the church, we just want to encourage you to take that next step in commitment to this. Community that if you've chosen this as a community where you want to belong and invest then um, becoming a member is really the next step So on September 18th will and Gloria Davidson will be leading a, a class called membership class And they will t- kind of take you through you know, the, what's unique about hillside? What's unique about the covenant denomination our core beliefs and also um, kind of answer that question of why become a member? And so I hope those of you who are in that situation where you you kind of feel right at home here but you haven't yet become a member would consider that. And finally, are you um, a gardener? Are you a wannabe gardener like I am? (laughs) I admire gardens a lot and think about how I'm gonna do that one of these days. (laughs) But there's two reasons I ask. One is that you're invited to join our um, hillside, uh, what are we calling it, landscape team. And we've got a great team. They've done a wonderful job. Have you noticed the, the flowers outside along the building? Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. The work of John Miller and uh, Mark Seaver and Cara DeYoung. Uh, they're the three that I know have put a lot of energy into it, and I'm sure there are others. And next Sunday, also Cara DeYoung, who is just a, 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 you know, and a genius with flowers, uh, is going to do a one-hour class after church on how to, you know, how to take care, how to grow and take care of flowers, how to maintain, keep the bed healthy and so on. And so that would um, kind of get you ready for your own garden or to help on the landscape team here. So um, I hope you'll consider that as well. So now is a great time to stand up and greet someone that you don't know. Wonderful. So now is the time when we bring our um, tithes and our offerings to our generous God, and I would ask now for the ushers to come forward. If you're new or visiting, please don't feel obligated to give at this time. It's mostly for people who, you know, are really, you know, just wanting to support this community. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we give you thanks for all your blessings, especially those times when we see you at work in our lives, in the lives of our friends and family, and in our world. Thank you. We also ask that you show yourself strong and loving to those who are in need of your healing right now. And I name Adrian Weiss, recovering from a, a serious auto accident, Macy Yates, um, extensive surgery, Kathy Moore, ongoing um, health problems, Carol Paulson, same thing, just things that go on, Susan Rush, um, same, just ongoing uh, difficulty, Ken Nodder, um, we pray for him and for Sherry, and for all those who are in an ongoing fight against cancer, Lord, we Know that you hear our prayers, and so we can release these these worries that we have, that we carry. We release them now and give them to you. Please accept our offerings as we give back to you a small portion of the many blessings that you have given us. We hope that you will multiply them and use them to build your kingdom, both here and around the world. In the strong name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
4: It is really good to see you. Uh, Welcome to Hillside, just like Jane said. So good to have you here, and so good to have our Edge and Riptide students who are in the room with us, a couple of right here in front. We're so glad you're here. Uh, This fall, we are taking a journey together through the central section of the third Jesus biography in the Bible, and in that central section, the uh, historian Luke recounts Jesus' journey to Jerusalem to fulfill his life's mission. Now, about that. A lot of people, uh, even people who have been around church for a long time, have a very generic understanding of Jesus' life mission. And in their minds and in their imaginations, it's this right here. But in reality, Jesus' life mission was this. That's right. Ben and Jerry's fish food. This is the number one ice cream of the Sites family at this moment. i got to ask you, have you ever had Ben and Jerry's fish food? If you are lactose intolerant, I weep for you. It is that good. But Jesus' life mission... Was particular; it was distinct, and and here's what it was: it was to come to Earth, to die on the cross, to rise again, so that all human beings could first be cleared of charges. We kind of know that, but just as much so that all human beings could be set apart as royal priests. How about that for a job? And lastly, respirited, meaning given a new heart, a new operating system, so that we would desire to live out that prestigious calling to pour out God's love and his beauty in the world. Those were the ultimate purposes of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. It was to affect those three things. And as disciples, we have a journey to make to Jerusalem as well. But here's the thing, happily, our journey is different from the one that the disciples took with Jesus because ours is on the other side of Jesus's journey, which was successful. And this means this, we take our journey as people who have been cleared of charges. And that means bye-bye guilt. Bye-bye shame, a whole new lightness of being because we have been forgiven and we've been washed. We take our journey as ones who have been made royal priests. And that means bye-bye boredom, bye-bye purposelessness. We have something important to live for, to mediate God's love and presence throughout the world. And finally, we take our journey as ones who have been re-spirited, which means we have a brand new heart, a brand new operating system so that we want to share the love of God wherever we go in the world. What else about our journey to Jerusalem? It's not geographical. Rather, our Jerusalem is to be able to say, get this, to be able to say, on the last day of our lives, either when we go to be with the Lord or the Lord descends, to rule and renew, we want to be able to say on that day, this is our Jerusalem, exactly what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And as Christians, we are supremely confident that we are going to reach our destination. We're going to make it to Jerusalem. After all, the creator has entirely paved the way for us. First, he's given us a verdict of not guilty right now. In advance of the last day, when every human life will be evaluated, including every Christian life. That's the first thing he's done, not guilty right now. Second, he's given us his own son, the perfect human being, the radiant human being who endured every single temptation we face and passed right through it faithfully. And he's given us that son to live inside us, to direct us from the inside out, And lastly, he's given us his own spirit, get this, to energize us, to give us new power, to electrify our wills. And you know what else? To whisper over and over again how much he loves us and is for us. And that means, unlike the disciples, our Jerusalem journeys, they're not fearful. They're not fretful. They're full of hope. They're full of confidence, They're also full of drama and intrigue because we actually don't know all that lay before us on the road. This morning, before we take communion as a family, I'm going to walk us through Luke 10, 28 through 36, which is a great story. It's a story of Martha and Mary. So if you have your own work Bible with you, this would be a good time to pull it out, open it up to Luke 10. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read it. Dear Father, we come to you this morning to hear so that we can then joyfully do as apprentices of your Son. And this is because those of us here who have believed the gospel, we are your royal priests as well as your adored children. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you, come. Descend upon us and speak to us through this wonderful story. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about so many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This is God's word for us. First thing to note, this episode in Jesus' life immediately follows Jesus' Good Samaritan teaching in Luke, the passage that Brian Murphy brought us last week. And in that wonderful message, Brian suggested that the church is the in in the parable Was that an eye-opening observation or what? I haven't been able to stop thinking about that all week. He was saying, we are the place where Jesus, the true good Samaritan in the story, delivers the battered travelers that he rescues along the road. And that means that our job here as hillsiders is to welcome everyone who comes here and to provide a comfy room in which to heal and to learn alongside us shoulder-to-shoulder what it means to follow the risen king down the narrow road of faith. Last week, I attended a pastor's retreat in Pacifica, and although it started on Monday, I didn't get there till Wednesday. And when I drove up, uh, the retreat organizer, my friend Matt Robbins uh, from my Davis days, did something really wonderful. He had all the attendees out on the deck to welcome me it was really really great and instantly I felt a part of the club and I was always happy also happy that I brought a box of donuts uh, from Johnny's Uh, that was good at that moment but it reminded me of how critical welcome is you know that that big Dan we are so glad you're here embodied with those guys out on the, on the, on the deck, it, it, it set the tone for my whole experience of the retreat. And it got me thinking, you know, if here at Hillside, if we are going to be like our superintendent encouraged us, the inn that good Samaritan Jesus desires that we would be, we're going to have to similarly give a big welcome to everyone the king brings here. And I was talking to Katie Wybert this past week. She leads our welcome team, assisted by Allison. I want to say they are looking for new team members for the welcome team right now. They're looking for people who will greet. They're looking for people who will ush. I think that's a word. And they're looking for people who will keep watch out front. We always have one person out in the front. And so I'm wondering right now, are there five people in this room right now who will join our welcome team for this next year? We need it. I need five people. Who will do it? Christine Gilmore. Who else? Four. I just need four. I'm not continuing to preach until we have five. We need them. David Murphy. Three more. We need them. Thank you, Floyd. Two more. Is that Tyler in the back? Tyler Young? Perfect. You work with Ty. One more. Perfect, Rod. Thank you, Hillsiders. That's excellent. We got five more. Okay. (laughs) Riptide and Edge. If you're here, I want you to stand up. Cameron, Josh, Evie, I know is here, Olivia. Katie Weibert last week said to me, we made a big mistake over the last few weeks. We did not include Riptide or Edge in Amazing Race 22-23. We need to do that. Would, okay, we do. Would some of you consider joining Katie's welcome team? Just serve as a greeter, an usher, an out front person one time a month, will you do it? <laughs> Evie, you're hired. I can't see who's back there, because my eyes are wrong. Uh, is that it? Who is that? Oh, it's Kaylee DeYoung, sorry. My, my uh, contacts are, are fogging. Anyway, Kaylee, you're hired. Okay. Who is that? I can't see. I... Oh, it's Madeline Nepes. All right. You're hired. Okay. You can sit down. Very good. We got Katie. We have more people on the welcome team. Stop by and talk to Katie before you go. And in case any of you think about running out, I remind you, Sophia is videoing the service. Okay. We know you were here. Okay. Anyway, verse 38, Luke reports that as they're on their way to Jerusalem, Jesus enters a village, and Martha welcomes him into her home. Now, some of us actually know this story. In fact, if you've been around the church for a while, you know this story very well. And you're already primed—we're already primed to kind of look down on Martha. But before we take a wrong turn in our interpretation, let's notice something. Martha is essentially living out Jesus' Good Samaritan teaching, isn't she? she's welcoming someone into her inn and she's meeting his practical needs again in the good samaritan story we learned that the life that leads to life according to jesus is the life of practical love for the neighbor the life of practical sacrificial need meeting love starting with the people who are right around us like the people who live with us that's what neighbor means And by the way, that's why the small group practice of exploration, which I shared with you three weeks ago, is so fitting for us disciples. Let me remind you, uh, or if maybe you missed church three weeks ago, exploration is our name for the third activity of every hillside small group. And in exploration, after we've spent time together in the Word, considering it carefully, what do we do? We close our Bibles. We invite the triune God to draw near to us, and then we ask each other a very simple question. How do you sense King Jesus calling you to follow him? We're going to ask that question of each other. And then we think out loud, each of us thinks out loud around the circle, and we listen as our fellow disciples ponder, and you'll remember that I offered this to you three weeks ago, if one of our group mates is coming up blank, we offer this prompt. And imagine I'm the one in the group, and I'm the one who's coming up blank. This is what my group mate might say to me. Dan, is there an act of practical love that King Jesus might have you take towards someone you live with? Why don't we start at the center? What about Allison? What about Josh or Drew? What about Roman or Jenna, your neighbors? And let me ask, does this prompt now make more sense in light of last week's passage? This is good Samaritan logic, isn't it? But again, if we're reading today's story in context, we won't immediately conclude that Martha is off base because she's doing stuff. That can't be it. Doing stuff, especially welcoming people into our homes and into our hearts, and into our circles, that's fundamental to following Jesus. So the lesson here has got to be something a little bit more nuanced. Let's keep going. Verse 39, we meet a new character, Martha's sister Mary. And unlike Martha, who's running around pouring Prosecco and passing out bruschetta, Mary is seated at Jesus' feet and she's listening to his words now it might look to us like mary is a loafer but that's vanilla while the reality is fish food you see in the bible to describe someone as sitting at another's feet is to say that he or she is a disciple of that person mary has made herself a disciple so instead of loafing what's she doing She's doing what disciples do. She's listening, and she's learning. Well, Martha is not happy about being left with all the work, and she's getting more and more frantic. And finally, she darts over to Jesus. And I use darts for a reason, because the verb there often means sudden movement. It's sometimes used to describe the appearance of angels in the New Testament. And she unloads on Jesus. I mean, don't you care but I'm doing all the work. Don't you care that my sister is a slacker? Tell her to help me. And Jesus' answer is a stunner, not just because of what he says, but because of how he says it. And think about this for a moment. Jesus is the guest. Jesus is the rabbi. Jesus is God in the flesh, and Martha is ordering him around. And yet Jesus responds, I wish I could do this. Jesus responds without even a drop of defensiveness or wounded pride, but instead tenderness. Verse 41 and 42 again, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. But What is Jesus' point? What's he saying here? Now, a knee-jerk interpretation might be that, that only one thing matters in life, something like personal experience of Jesus or contemplative prayer, and that's actually how it's been read sometimes, but we know that can't be right, right? Again, because of the context, Jesus has just established in the previous story that practical sacrificial need-meeting service is fundamental to the Christian life. But think about it. That's not even what Jesus' one thing is necessary line means on its face. Think about this for a moment. Usually, when we say to another person, one thing is necessary, we're not saying that there is only one thing, right? Rather, we're saying that there is one critical thing, one indispensable thing for everything else to be okay. And I'll give you an example. Sometimes on a really, really good Saturday morning, Allison will bake scones. This is a reason for celebration in the site's home. And uh, we, we look forward to it. It's my mom's recipe. My mom, who is here today. Hello, moms. Glad you're here. Thank you. Yeah. Been waiting for a year and a half for you to visit, but anyway, we're <laughs> glad. To, anyway, so <laughs> you, you seem to go to Darren's church a lot, but that's uh, anyway, 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 it's closer, I, I understand. Anyway, we uh, we love mom's scones even more than we love fish food, but imagine that Allison were to give me scone-baking lessons, which I've asked for. And if Allison were to say to me, and she did say this once, Dan, when you bake scones, one thing is necessary. You've got to get the amount of milk right. And when she said that, she wasn't saying that milk's the only part of baking scones, right? Right? She wasn't saying that after getting the milk right, you don't have to stir or cut the dough uh, into wedges or bake at 350 degrees. Rather, she's saying that there's one thing of supreme importance which, if neglected, will distort the entire scone-baking process. And I'm sure that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, if you're going to bake great scones, meaning live the triumphant life of love that Jesus died to make possible you got to get the milk right, and the milk is loyal, loving, listening to him. Loyal, loving, listening has got to be the defining, the organizing activity of the Christian life. And why would this be? It's actually not hard to figure out. I mean, first, without loyal, loving, listening to the living Lord— we are liable to run into all kinds of ministry that Jesus has not called us to do and get totally angry and strung out in the process. Second, without loyal, loving listening, we are liable to run from ministry, challenging ministry that Jesus has called us to do. And finally, without loyal, loving listening, we're liable to do ministry that Jesus has called us to do But with Martha-like anger and resentment, which is neither sustainable for us nor nourishing to others. Here, take the scone, you ingrate, right? (laughs) So here's the big idea of the morning. Here's God's wisdom for us on our own Jerusalem journeys. It's simple but powerful. Loyal and loving listening to the Lord is the first priority of the Christian life. Let me say it again. Loyal and loving, listening to the Lord. The first priority of the Christian life. And I think that this reading is bolstered by the verb distracted in verse 40. Get this. Very interesting. The expanded definition of the Greek verb here, distracted, is this. Pulled away from a reference point. Then again, our story isn't diminishing Christian service. Rather, the story is critiquing Christian service and a Christian life more broadly that has no consistent reference point, or maybe better, no consistent reference practice, and that reference practice is loyal, loving, listening to the living Lord. And we can set apart time for loyal, loving, listening by attending a hillside small group. Because in our hillside small groups, we regularly reserve time for listening. It's part of exploration. Now, we're going to take communion in just a few minutes, but before we do, I want to take just a moment to talk to the teens in the room. I was really happy to see there are quite a few here. And first of all, I want to say to the teens in the room, your church loves you. Okay. In fact, in fact, I have an idea here. Wait, wait, wait. Stand up, everyone but the teens. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's give them a standing ovation. Our teenagers. We love you. We love you. That, okay, that's good. If you were standing, we would have had you take a bow in that moment. Okay, we'll save that. But we want to say, as your Hillside family, we know this is a very difficult time to be a teenager. This is hard. You have pressures, challenges that we did not have to face when we are your age. We are here for you. Your edge and your Riptide leaders are here for you. That's why Jesus is sitting in the front row. We're here for you. We love you. And you know what else? We want Hillside to be an inn for you, a place you love to be, a place that you enjoy coming to, a place you enjoy bringing your friends to, so they too can learn the way of Jesus, okay? But I want to point out something in this story, I think, of special relevance to you if you're a teenager. Notice the emphasis the story places on anxiety, Jesus points out to Martha that she is, in verse 41, anxious and troubled about many things. And I know that your generation is awash in anxiety. There's a new story about that in the media basically every day. Get this. Listen to me. I read this past week that from 2007 to 2016, emergency room visits for people age five to 17, for anxiety episodes, rose 117%. That's more than doubled from previous years. And it's no coincidence that in that same period, the use of personal electronic devices exploded. And to give you the numbers, 2005, 45% of teens had phones By 2010, it was 75%. By 2018, 95% of teens had phones with 50% reporting being online almost constantly. Just a new world for you. Here's the point. Jesus, your shepherd, the living Lord who died for you, he loves you so much. He does not want you to be awash in anxiety. Jesus wants your basic mental state to be one of calm confidence and peace and joy. But if you're going to reach that place of calm confidence and peace, I want to tell you, the path there will involve what Jesus is commending in this story. It's new habits of quiet and consistent Listening to the king who is alive and loves you. But here's what's key. Listening will require something from you. It will require tech subtraction. I want to just tell you plainly. It's going to require substantial reduction in the time you spend on screens And it's going to require the ruthless elimination of sites and platforms that everybody is on, but that kills your joy. Promising affirmation of various kinds, but actually making you feel less beautiful than everybody else. Promising wisdom, but actually filling your head with stuff about human personhood that has no basis in reality. Kooky at best. Promising community, but actually keeping you disconnected from the people and activities that really nourish you and make you feel whole. And let me say this to the teens. You could be 17. You could be 13. Nothing keeps you from doing what we've talked about today. You're old enough. You're not a kid. Nothing keeps you from making loyal, loving, listening to Jesus individually and in your edge or riptide small group, your premier life habit, your reference point around which everything else in your life revolves, whether it's AP calculus or swimming or clash of clans. And nothing keeps you from taking practical steps to make listening to Jesus possible. Nothing. You can do it. The primary one being tech subtraction. Now, what tech subtraction might mean for you practically is something you have to have a conversation about. You need to first talk to your parents about it. You need to talk with them and say, I want to do some tech subtraction, but I'm in this world. Help me figure out what to throw over the boat. You should also have this conversation with the people whom Pastor Stephen has brought together to shepherd you and care for you. That's what Jesus does at this church. That's what Lynn does at this church. It will require a plan. You'll have to make a decision because to do nothing is to continue to be swept down the raging tech river that is our culture. And that's a recipe for crazy. I want you to hear it. Nevertheless, I want to offer you this. If you hatch a loyal listening plan, you think it through, and your plan contains a specific provision for tech subtraction, meaning an app that you remove from your phone, a website you delete from your favorites list, a day, and I mean this, that you designate as tech-free, where your phone stays in the, in the, in the drawer all day. And if you email me by tomorrow night and describe your plan, <laughs> your loyal listening plan, I will have for you next week at church a pint of fish food ice cream for you, okay? I will, okay? I want you to hear me. I will come through on this. If you make a plan for listening to Jesus, it's probably going to involve time and silence in the morning before you do anything else. It's going to mean solid commitment to your group. You know, Grant Freeman back here, another leader. And it contains a specific provision for text subtraction and you share your plan with me by tomorrow night, okay? I will buy you a pint of fish food. Man, I hope it's on sale. I'll say that, okay? (laughs) Time for communion. Communion is a great time for fresh starts, new beginnings, like new commitments for all of us to loyal, loving, merry-like listening. And in communion, we come as close as we can in this age to Jesus, our Lord, who's here, who's here in this room, who's here inside each one of us who know him and who's here in these elements. And in fact, because he's here and he loves us and he's, because he's just called us to new commitments, to loyal, loving listening, let's take a moment to do just that. Pray with me, in your own heart, and then let's take a minute to breathe deeply and to listen Lord Jesus our good portion as your beloved children as your royal priests in this world set apart to share your love and your care and your justice with the whole world we pray you would speak to each of us we're listening Give us each a word of encouragement or instruction or direction. What we need to follow you this week. Let's take a minute to breathe deeply and let's listen. Lord, thank you for the story we've gotten to relive. We want to be children who draw close to you and listen. We know you have so much to say. Words of love. Words of instruction. Words of direction. Words that help us to have the self knowledge that we must have for flourishing relationships. And so as a Hillside family, we're looking forward to making this year one in which we put special emphasis on loyal, loving, listening like Mary. And we know that some of the fruit of that will be joyful Good Samaritan-like service rather than angry, resentful service. Lord, help me. I am determined to grow in this area. I know you're saying loud and clear to me, slow down and listen. Thank you for your grace and your generosity. Thanks that when we draw near, you draw near to us, and we get to enjoy your favor and your love and your approval and the promise of an extraordinary future. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, here's how communion uh, will work. We have three stations up front, as you can see. Uh, Once our servers are in place, I'm going to signal that it will be time uh, for the people in the front to start coming forward. Uh, then subsequent rows can follow. Uh, as you approach the front, feel free to go to any one of the stations. All the bread is gluten-free. No need to worry about that. You'll take a piece of bread from the first person, uh, a cup of juice from the second person, and then we'll ask that you would return to your seats around uh, the side aisles. If you would take your elements back to your seats and, and wait to eat so that we can all eat together, that would be wonderful. If coming up would be difficult for you, after a few minutes, two servers will, will come around and we'll bring the elements to you. Just, just wave your hand when we come by. If for any reason you would prefer not to join in the communion meal, you can just stay where you're seated, enjoy the moment. You're also welcome to come up for a blessing. You can join the people coming up and to indicate that you're, you won't be partaking, but you would like a blessing, just cross your arms And the server will give you the number six blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Servers, if you would come up to the front. As people of the Evangelical Covenant Church, uh, we believe that the Lord's Supper is for everyone who has put faith in Jesus the Lord. You don't need to be a member of this church. You don't need to be a member of any particular church. If you put your faith in Jesus, then this meal is for you. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, we invite you to consider doing so right now. Nothing keeps you from doing it right now. And then enjoying the meal with your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're not ready, that's just fine. Again, you're invited to come forward for a blessing, or you can stay where you are and just enjoy the moment. This time you can come forward.
2: Who oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. who oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ oh, what a Savior Isn't He wonderful
1: Please stand now as we respond, and sing about Christ. It is Christ. And, oh, never mind. Stand, eat, sing, do everything all at once. But tell you what, let's go ahead and sequence this. The Lord Jesus, on the night he
4: was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks. He broke it and said, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, our King, teacher, to you be praise and honor for giving yourself, shedding your blood, letting your body be broken in death for us so that we could be cleared of charges, commissioned as your royal priests, and empowered to live out that prestigious call for the good of our family and our friends, and our neighbors, and our classmates. Father, we pray that you would bless this bread which we eat together, this cup that we drink together, and let us through this blessed bread and this blessed cup become partakers of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive our trespassers. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the body of Christ broken for us. Let's eat together. This is the blood of Christ shed for us. Let's drink together. Let's pray. Father, we marvel Because you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son. And in feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, you have refilled us with your own Spirit. And we thank you for the strength you've given us in this meal and the difference that it's going to make this week. As we do everything you've called us to do, including drawing near to listen, to soak in your love, and to respond to your
1: direction. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. And now, if you'll pretend like this is the first time you're hearing this from me, please stand as we get ready to sing about Christ. It is only in him and him alone that we have our salvation.
2: Alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving cease, my God. the power of Christ I stand There in the ground body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day. No fear in light, no fear in death This is the power of Christ in me no From life's first cry to final breath Jesus commands my, my destiny. destiny No power of hell, no scheme of man Can ever pluck me from his hand of man, can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand, till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand.
4: As you can see, we have members of the prayer team around, in front, and in back. They'd love to pray for you as you get going on this week. Uh, Put them to work, as we say. And here's your benediction. May the time that you reserve this week, dear ones, for loyal, loving, listening to the one who loves you. On your own and with your spiritual companions, May it result in overflowing encouragement and new opportunities for love. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.